Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 67, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. All right, Santos, I feel like we need to kick off at the top here with an apology to our faithful listeners. We do. We do. We've been remiss. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, uh, we took a hiatus here between episodes, but um, sort of had a come-to-Jesus talk, the two of us, and have decided to um, commit to at least one episode a month. So, uh, yeah. from here on out, we're going to be doing one episode a month regularly. We're recommitted and um, ready to do the Lord's work, you know, recommending amazing content and making sure that you steer clear of the shit that you should not be watching, reading to, or just wasting good money on. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's good to be back. It's good to see your face up against that microphone again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, let, let's just jump right in, Santos. What, what's been turning you on recently? What have you been... What's... Uh, What's good out there right now? What are you watching? Let's start with that. You want to start with what we're watching? Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'll tell you what I've been... I was super excited for and I've been half watching is, for some reason, I don't know... Well, it, it, Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, or Handmaid's Tale, rather. Yep. Um, loved the first two seasons. So damn good. Do you watch it? I watched the first episode of the first season, and I stopped, not because I didn't like it, but because I thought it was something that Nicole and I would watch together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has proven not to be true. Um, Especially recently, like, we're so busy with the girls that we just don't have time to sit down and watch anything together. We have been watching um, Big Little Lies season two together, uh, which we we can talk about in a minute. But um, uh, I... Um, have always meant to go back and watch it. And I know this is the last season, right? So maybe when the whole thing is concluded, I'll go and watch the entire thing in sort of one whack. Yeah, I guess I won't um, I won't sour it for you then. Um, but I'll tell you that um, she's way... I got her... So, uh, you know, the same thing happened on this end is I, I waited for... Her, like, she gets like a, a grace period, two weeks... Oh, wait for me to watch that. And if if she doesn't get in in two weeks, if it's if it doesn't sync up, then she gets left in the dust, and I go right. Um, so I burned through the first two seasons. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, and yeah, and, she, and then she, and she caught up. She got hooked on it and then started on the third season and I watched like the first episode and I was like yeah I don't know I'm not feeling it and then I've seen she, I've, you know I've seen her and been in the room when she's watching it and I'm like ah, just some of the moves they're making I don't know I'm not wild about it so but I'll wait until you've seen it and we can talk through it yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We're now at a point in culture where they're making shows inspired by books, but then, I mean, two of the things we're talking about right now, obviously, um, The Handmaid's Tale has gone well beyond the original literature that inspired it, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And we have um, Big Little Lies, which also, season one was obviously based on the original Australian book. We're now the original author is actually involved in the second season of Big Little Lies, um, but it's there's no such thing as a second book. So that's they're, right. They're in yeah. like entirely new. The TV show is in entirely new territory. Yeah, and obviously and we we saw what happened with Game of Thrones when Game of Thrones plods ahead on its own. Exactly. Yeah, it's dangerous territory. Um, but I've only seen. The first episode of Big Little Lies, season oh. two. Okay, so th- I I don't agree. There's a, there's been some criticism about eh, it's not as interesting when there's not like a mystery sort of underpinning the entire thing. I actually disagree because I think the as a character drama, it's I think totally excellent. And watching, you know, it it feels more like a very subtle sort of film noir. Um, story where these characters are slowly tearing each other and kind of falling apart. And also the, um, you know, I love a non-traditional detective story. Right, and yeah. the Meryl Streep is like 
giving the performance of a lifetime as the I mean she's amazing and I don't think she's ever phoned in a single performance but I think this is an exceptionally good performance from her as the master manipulator slash person who's trying to get to the bottom of this death how many episodes in the season um, I think that they are I think there's going to be eight total and that they are either five or six deep so okay. there's, a, there's a couple two three more I may have seen two of them then. Um, I mean, it's hard to know with Meryl Streep because the second you see her, you're like, holy shit, you know, because she's <laughs> like she, you know, she does this great job of of playing the, you know, the nuanced like hippie mom from from Berkeley. But there is this she is playing a part of that detective, though, isn't she? That is that is coming in right. and about to, to pull the threads and, and, and let everything out. What's so brilliant about it is I don't know if this was their intention or not, but as you get deeper into the episode and they discuss more and more and you see her trying to hold on to this idea of her, her idea of her son as she's digging into this story and what happened and his relationship with the Celeste character. Um, and, you start to, this is a very subtle thing, but you start to understand how his character ended up so warped because of her as a mother. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So it's a very subtle thing. And they also, I mean, it's worth watching for anyone who is like a, a, like a writer or loves like ama- you know, like storytelling because they do this amazing thing with her character where she starts a sentence or she starts a piece of dialogue as an apology or something where you feel like her character is now making a turn in the conversation back to something sympathetic. And by the end of the sentence, she's actually dug the knife in deeper, which yeah. is, it's amazingly deft writing. Um, and it's really I well done up on that too. Even in the first episode or two that I saw, like yes. I could see that, you know, um, yeah, that's an obvious intentional thing that they've, that they've woven into that character. Um, <laughs> and and Meryl Streep plays it so well too. Golly, like God, she's yeah. I mean, she is one in a million. It's unbelievable, right? It's crazy. Um yeah, I started going I, I rewatched um even just after seeing that, i I was like, God, I haven't seen a Meryl Streep movie in a while and went way back and watched Deer Hunter um and it's I don't know how old she was when they shot that, but I mean that was that was a long time ago, um, nineteen seventy, right? Um, and I mean, God, she's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's unbelievable. T- truly amazing. She's an American treasure, no doubt. Oh my God! Did so. I saw a headline somewhere that she did she get new teeth or something? Is she or are they prosthetics for the part? Oh, or could be prosthetics for the part or something, but. I, I have no idea. I thought you were going to say, I saw, I saw the, because there was an Onion headline that says, um, Meryl Streep officially cannot be put on trial because there there is no such thing as a jury of her peers. <laughs> <laughs> like Because she has no peers or something like that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I think she got, she got teeth. Um, and they have to be for the part. I'm sure she she didn't just show up with like right, <laughs> like, new like teeth ta-da. That people like what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. I'm sure the first time Renee Zellweger showed up with her like plastic new plastic surgery, people were like, "Whoa, uh, <laughs> scramble!" Yeah, okay, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that world is so good, you know, up in. Um, in Monterey, they're in Monterey Bay. Yeah. yeah, it's uh Monterey, and then kind of Car- Carmel, Carmel by the Sea, right? Carmel by the Sea, yeah. Which yeah. is like the same thing as Carmel, right? Where Clint Eastwood no. is the mayor. No, it's different. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's uh, there's Carmel, and then there's Carmel by the Sea. Um, I'm I don't quote me on that, but that's always that's how I've always understood it because Carmel is actually um a pretty good sized community. Okay. Like that's been there back from, you know, um from migrant farmer days. Like that's been a that's a pretty big town and I, and I feel like Carmel by the Sea is is south of it and right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Big Sur kind of territory. I don't know. I get right. lost in, in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's sort of a part of the state that doesn't see much action, so it's interesting to have it set there. I know that the producers did a lot of work to try to recreate the exact sort of dynamics of the community where the book is set in Australia, um, and that Monterey felt like the best mix of very affluent, but at the same time kind of like out of the way. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of places like that in Australia. Um, but that rich, I wonder, I wonder if that was, that was part of the book. If they're, oh, yeah. they, that's a super funny thing about all those people is that they're like over the top wealthy and they, and they just are like the worst um, investors of time. Like right. the way that they spend oh, their yeah. time is yeah, yeah. just, it, it's, yeah, just it's a parody, right? Widowing their lives away with pettiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. The school stuff, like now, obviously, like as a parent who deals with school communities, like I think all of the school stuff is just like so hilarious and really well done. Who's the character? Um, I don't know. His the name. Laura Dern character? Oh, it's a male character? Oh, God, I love her. Yeah, the dude um, from Parks and Rec. Oh, Adam Scott? Yeah, yeah. His character is really good. He is like the only person who's actually sympathetic on the show. Where you like look at him and you're like, that person is actually a decent human being. It's actually him and the um, uh, Zoe Kravitz Zoe, character. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Yep. Well, actually, the. Um, and her husband, too, right? Or is he. No, her husband's a gigantic douche. Because <laughs> okay. yeah, he keeps trying to start a of... fight with the Adam Scott character for no reason, just because oh, he's like an right. insecure weirdo. <laughs> Actually, um, the uh, what's her name from all those dystopian films who plays the the mother of Ziggy? I forget yeah, the yeah. actress's name, but anyway, she's she's a decent character as well. She's just kind of like dealing with a lot of shit. So. Yeah, and she's the one that's outside that economic bubble as well. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, which is interesting. But her fortunes kind of change a little bit at the beginning of the season because her, the Celeste character is like giving her character some of the inheritance, basically. Oh. Because of the parentage. I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't seen the show at all, but. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get her up to speed a little bit, give her some walking around money to exactly. get some nine dollar coffees. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine. Down that there. coffee shop is awesome. Yeah, the coffee shop right on the ocean. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. I bet it's. I bet a lot of people are just going to go looking for that coffee shop now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So. Hopefully, it's made up. Yeah. I doubt it, though. <laughs> Just production company set up something. If someone is smart, they would open one really quick. Exactly. It's like yep. the, when people created the Central Perk coffee shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I remember being in um, in Arizona City when Big Love was um, had just come out and... They had just put up a... There was a new cafe in town called the Sisters... Um, like sister wife or something like that because that's where the flds church is based right <laughs> and people just drive through town looking to find you know find people marrying six wives right so um so i have to ask because there's a show that i am we just spent all this time talking about Big Little Lies, and it's funny because Big Little Lies isn't actually the show that I am um, the most excited about right now. Oh, um, what do you got? What's the other one? The show that I am the most uh, excited about is actually Euphoria on HBO. Have you been watching Euphoria? Oh, no. Oh, my nope. God. It is unbelievably good. It really? is also unbelievably dark uh, and right on. disturbing, <laughs> but... Uh, it is really incredible. Um, amazing acting. Uh, so Zendaya, do you know who Zendaya is? The former mm -hmm. Disney actress, and she's in the Spider-Man movies now as like the sort of more ethnically diverse Mary Jane. Um, okay. So anyways, she's someone who grew up as a child actress, let's, let's just say that, and is now sort of one of the central characters in this euphoria show on hbo and she plays a junkie who's just out of rehab even though she's mm -hmm. a high school kid these are all high school kids uh in the oh. show uh, oh yes i know the trailer yeah it is uh 
a very, very intense show. Very, like, people are comparing it. I guess there was a show, was it called Skins in the UK? That sort of, oh, like, yeah. shed a spotlight on this is what teens are actually up to in this generation. So it's sort of like that. Um, but for current times and the storytelling is awesome it does a thing where it sort of focuses on one character kind of each show and sort of tells their backstory and then of course it's it's telling the ensemble story but sort of through the lens of this one character each show the cinematography is definitely definitely awesome like it's shot really well it's written really well really well acted it defies a lot of sort of traditional expectations and it handles subject matter so deftly um i don't want to give it away because i don't want to spoil it for other people but there's things that people like a a shittier more traditional show would have like telegraphed in the first 10 minutes of you know a character puts on a shirt that declaim you know proclaims their sexual identity or like says something to their parent or whatever like you know and they just deal with all of that stuff and as something you discover sometimes like multiple episodes in these big oh, that's great. defining yeah. things about characters in like a much more organic way um it's i ca- i can't say enough good about it like every sunday like yeah big little lies is good you know, it's actually great, but I'm so much more excited for Euphoria every Sunday well, night. Right on, that's great. I'll start watching that. I, I got the, I just got the wrong read from the trailers. I, th- I was thinking, I was looking at it like it was a coming of age thing. I was like, I'm not fucking. I, I don't. No, I don't want that. I mean, this is a story about kids who are struggling to get to the next age. <laughs> right on. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, how many, how many episodes in is that? About the same five Similar. or six. I think it's uh, five or six in. Um, I think it's five in, actually. It might have started one week after um, Big Little Lies, so I think it might be five in. Okay. But, man, red hot. Oh, killer. Red hot. That's awesome. I'm, I, I'm, I've been needing yeah. something, because I've been watching older shows, like, catching up on stuff. Um, like, I finally... Went back and rewatched all because I'd never finished it, but I watched Sharp Objects. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah watched yeah. that whole thing, right? Um, which is, you know, I think could could prove a theory that you know HBO is has a trend in maybe being a little bit obvious with their a uh, little bit less obvious with their kind of character development because that, they had that same trait where they were letting things unpack slowly you know yeah. and discovering oh, things absolutely. down the line you yep. know and and you you it's so much richer when you uncover it yourself right for sure always and that thing is just you know you're turning over rocks the entire God. time yeah sharp objects is like one of my favorite things i've seen in the last i don't know three to four years likewise you know, right up there with you know all of the best stuff that we've talked about you know i would oh, yeah. put it in you know, top 10 shows of the last, I don't know, five to seven years. Me too. I absolutely would. Yep. It's, you know, always love the condensed kind of like tight, you know, in and out. Like we're not going to try and franchise this fucking thing and just suck right. it dry or. Yeah. I wish HBO so actually, dark. I wish HBO did more of that actually. Cause you can get actors like an Amy Adams and all those people. Um, yeah. You know, you can get that quality of talent to say, like, okay, we're doing eight episodes and then we're done. Like, this isn't a multi-season commitment or whatever. Dude. So, I wish they would do more stuff like that. Yep. And she brought it, too. I think she was... I mean, she's an EP on it. Who You know, you never know what that yeah. means. But, um, but that thing, man... And it's so great if you've never read it, you know, because... I, I never read it, so... No, I hadn't either. You get all of the you know all the shockers along the way you're like oh my god whoa you get to go on the whole ride you know um and i'm a huge amy adams fan anyway right um in that character man the fucking soundtrack with the zeppelin all that like yeah hell yeah it's the i don't know why i'm blanking on what is about patricia clarkson 
Yeah. Uh, oh. Also. Oh, man. I love her. I've always loved her. Yeah. She is so awesome. I'm glad that she's been, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years, like, getting really consistent good roles. Because for a while, she was, like, sort of languishing and more obscure indie stuff. And she's so amazing. Oh, my God. She was way... I mean, she's always been indie. Um, and, I mean, she's an indie queen. Yeah. You know? It's true. Um, and... Yeah, seeing her in just shine in something like that is so awesome. I mean, that is a brilliant piece of casting. For sure. Putting her there. Yeah, right? it's hard to imagine anyone else in that role. <laughs> no, no one. <laughs> no one. It's so good. And the twists are just unbeatable. So that thing, anybody, if you haven't seen that, go. It's it's eight episodes. Um, or maybe, yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah, um, something like that eight or ten i doubt it's ten but um it's so tight and it's it's so efficient um but it also like gives you time to live in that world you know they're in shit tooth missouri um and it's just it's fucking great it's very dark yeah and it not now that hearing how much you love that euphoria isn't exactly the same but it's like a kissing cousin of cool. darkness, you know, it's oh, like not dark awesome. in the same ways, but I would say it's equally as dark. Thank God, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I'm psyched to hear that. That's a, I'm glad. You, I'm glad that we're talking about that because yeah. I doubt I would have clicked on that. And it might be especially disturbing to me as like the dad of two young daughters because the young girls in the film seem like the most vulnerable, of course. Oh God, um, but, but oh. also like the most not taking any shit and just like doing yep. their own thing. Like it, like I said, it, I think it defies a lot of traditional tropes and a lot of expectations. Like you think, you know exactly how a scene's going to go. And they even fuck with you by like laying down a bed of music that traditionally takes the scene in a spe- specific direction. Then they completely twist it. Right. So, on. Yeah. Love that. Love it. And the char- those. character motivations and the dynamics in the scene are like really complex to the point where you're like unpacking it afterwards, being like, "Wait, I thought that character did that because of that, but now that I'm thinking back, like maybe there's like two things, or they're conflicted in this way, and like their emotions are shifting, like even within the scene." So, yeah, there's it's yeah. good. Okay, right on. Um, now I'll tell you. I'll use this as a bit of a segue into what I know we're going to talk about. Um, but um, the other series that I went back and watched that I, I had that had kind of taken a back seat for me was Succession. Um, oh yeah, I love that show. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so, and now that I'm actually looking at you and saying it, I think we, you t- you originally I remember when it fir- when it was just a couple episodes in talking about this with you. Yes. You were way into it. Way into it, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I love it's it. It's so good. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's I feel like great. that show hasn't been getting nearly enough attention. What the uh, fuck? For how good it is. And What's how, wrong with people? how good the acting is and the casting and all that stuff. It's really, <sighs> really good. Oh my god, I love that thing. Love it. That's starting again um, another month or so. Yeah, I think you're right. So oh, yeah, I'm looking, wait. really looking forward to that. Yeah, it took me, um, it took me, uh, it took me a minute. What was it? It was the first. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't put the pieces together. Oh, probably because I hadn't seen it in so long. But um, like in watching the first episode, I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I'm like, that that voice is fucking unmistakable. I'm like, who the hell is that? I'm like, oh, it's fucking... And I wouldn't let myself look it up. I'm like, it's fucking Brian Cox. Yeah. From Deadwood. Right. Yeah, he is um, so good in that part, too. Oh, you know? my God. Yeah. I mean, he... Because, yeah, he... Like, the character takes a shit, and, you're, and, he, and you figure he's, he's done. Like, right. they, he does such a great job. Of like, and they really go deep on it. Like he's, yeah. you know, you figure he's down and that's right. it. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, my God. And then comes back with a vengeance. Right. That's another show where the acting across the board, even the, like, dipshit kind of nephew who's, like, kind of an intern trying oh, to, he's, like, he's manipulate brilliant. his way. So, so, so good. And the woman who plays Siobhan is super good. And oh, she's killer. Even Kieran Culkin, you know, it's like... He's I mean, great. He, he was in some good indie stuff when he was younger, but like he really fits that part really well. Can't so, imagine anybody yeah. else in that part. Um, and and Cameron is fucking great. The oh god, fucking, he's, <laughs> with the the prostitute girlfriend. Yeah, and his like weird ranch out in the middle of nowhere or whatever. <laughs> he's running for president. He does dick about fucking anything. Right. Oh my god. Just like he he just plays like the perfect. Like this is what happens if you lead a privileged, sheltered life, and you you know, and you don't die of a drug overdose, right? And, you and no one checks 55. you on your shit. Yeah. Nobody checks you. This is how you end up, right? Just super fuck. You just get yeah. weirder. You're, you're and fucking Eric weirder. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's who he is. Yeah. Oh man. He's like yeah. He's like great. the liberal version of Eric Trump, basically. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> I can't fucking wait for that. That's coming soon. Yeah. Thank yeah, God yeah. that, because that yeah that did that didn't get, I mean critically acclaimed but not a lot of buzz, and it feels like it's the type of thing that, I don't know, I mean HBO is not really walking on much, you know, but if anything uh, in their lineup that feels like they could have walked away from it, but yeah, very glad they didn't. For sure, I mean at this point they need, I mean they need content to compete. They, they shouldn't oh. be cutting stuff. They should be adding stuff as fast as they can. Double down on everything. They're looking like a dinosaur at this point. I mean, they're oh, still sure. producing very high quality stuff, but yeah, um, it needs to come at sort of a faster clip because people's expectations for you know the value of like I'm paying pretty much as much for HBO as I am for Netflix, and look what I'm yeah. getting over here, and you know, like. You know, there's probably like a four or five dollar difference a month or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think there is. Yeah, because I think HBO is like ten or eleven bucks. Um, right. Yeah, and Netflix is like seventeen ninety nine. I think now. Yeah, if you want the Ultra HD or whatever. Oh, is that? It? I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. somewhere in there. Um, yeah, it's funny. It, you know, and as the field continues to expand, you know, Hulu. I mean, they, the saving grace is Handmaid's Tale, you know, um, because their licensing deals are, they've always been a competitor, um, but they're not, they can't keep up now. They, I mean, Disney owns them. So as Disney plus rolls out in the next, you know, in the coming months in the way that they play that and they position that and they use Hulu as a contender will be interesting to see, you know. I don't know. I don't know what Disney Plus is. I don't know what that brand looks like yet. But you have to say, I think there's going to be some sort of shakeup because all these people who are announcing these like different streaming services. Like, I've been watching another show um, based on a comic book series called uh, The Doom Patrol, and the only way you can watch it is on DC's streaming service, DC oh, yeah. Unlimited. Jesus, what are they? Yeah. Well, I don't. So I don't know what they're thinking because I I watched it and the girls are watching. Uh, a DC cartoon animated series um, on there called Young Justice, and as soon as they're done with season three, I'm canceling that thing and never going back. Probably so. It's got to be a build to sell strategy, right? Just hope somebody is like, probably Disney. Right. It's like, ah, oh, fuck it, why not? You know? Yeah. Might as well take that do- too. Yeah, because they're doing anything they can to, you know, to lock try up and IP. Unseat- yeah. yeah, and and to lock up IP and to unseat Netflix. You know. Um, yeah, their IP is the whole game with with Disney, right? I mean, that's right. their. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, it seemed like at the time they paid so so much money for the Star Wars franchise, but when you look at what they've done with it and the plans that they still have, and the thing that's genius about that is how it rolls out across all of their properties. Like what they're doing at Disneyland and Disney World with Star Wars is just insane. Like, the amount of money that they're going to generate from people going down to see that new Star Wars part of the park and stay in the Star Wars hotel and do all that stuff is insane. Dude, it's crazy. It's billions and billions a year. I can't fucking, I can't hang with that shit, man. I can't get in that fucking place. Disney or Star Wars? 
Did, I mean, both of them. I can't, I can't imagine Star Wars is going to... I haven't been in... I haven't tried. Right. But my brother-in-law is... He can't fucking wait to right. go. You know? I think I think reservations at the hotel and, like, for all the rides and stuff like that were sold out for six months before it opened. For fuck's sake. I mean, not surprising, but just the entire experience, I can't hang with that. It's on a Valium in California right. to get me through a day at Disneyland. Like I right. went we went for Jack's birthday when we first moved here. It was horrific. Yeah. It was, they love it. Beth and, and Jack they had a great fucking day. Super right. fun. The, and um, I just stayed medicated. Just beer after beer and right. like <laughs> No, I'm so fucking. I, I don't like that. Like, I, I don't I hate to wait online for any fucking thing. Right. What's going to be worth it? What's worth me standing here for? For fucking. No matter what pass you buy, you're still fucking waiting. Right. That's oh. true. Yeah, we took the we took the girls. I I did both. Um, almost back to back. Universal and then Disney. I did Universal one day each with the girls, so they could go to Harry Potter, and then we went down to Disney and we did. Two days at Disney, I think. Golly, man! Whew. Yeah, that's a lot of humanity. Yes, in your face, mouth breathing. Yeah, especially when you like do the whole thing where you wait until nighttime and watch the parade and all that stuff. It's just like, oh. man. And the hotels they like milk you for so much money. We went to this like character breakfast thing, and you pay like I think it's like. Fifty or seventy-five dollars to get into this like character breakfast buffet thing. It was like, what the <laughs> hell are we doing for some like bad eggs and a high school yeah. kid dressed up as Mickey Mouse walking around or whatever? The girls got to go. We we realized the girls were not into the whole like, oh, there's a princess. Do you want to get your photo taken with the princess? They were like, no, one hundred percent of the time, immediately, just like, no. nope, 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 nope. So oh. I will I will say when we were down there, like we went on some of the older school rides that were fine, you know, um, like Pirates of the Caribbean and some of that stuff. But the thing that blew me away was the like California land section of it with the um, Radiator Springs, all the car yeah. stuff and all that stuff. We saw a live performance of like a condensed version of Frozen that the girls was actually totally blow away. Like that whole part of the park was totally worth it, but the rest of it, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, they should just that was the only take part a wrecking ball, take was... a wrecking ball to the <laughs> fucking. It's a small world after all, you know. It's like yeah, super racist, like out of touch. Just oh like, my god, really? You know, it's just like historic at this point, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? totally. Like, N- Nicole was there when she was like six or something. She was like, this It's a Small World thing literally has not changed since the wow. 70s. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, so it, instead of like, it pa- it went past being aged and, and then had a nostalgia play. Right. <laughs> and then they're just keeping it fucking greased and running. Yeah, and absolutely. Not throwing kids into the fucking into the moat. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. But thankfully, my brother, my brother in law comes out for Jack's birthday, and they go, and I stay. I stay home. I can't. Nice. Is he I mean, a big? I, there are people who are obsessed with it who go multiple times a year. You know, he's not crazy, um, but um, but he is a huge Star Wars fan, so he's fucking psyched ah. for that thing. Right, right. I was reading a review of it, and this mom was like, she didn't, I I didn't know this about it either, but I guess, like, so she, in the review, this this woman's talking about being there with her two kids, and somebody, like, you know, who's just running around dressed up is kind of, like, a person, but, like, had on, it, it was hard to tell if the person was staff or a visitor, and it was obvious that it, the person was staff when they came up to her and they were like, so are you ready for, you know, the meeting tonight with Rebellion? And she's like, she's like, wait, what meeting? Does, is that extra? Do I have to pay extra for that? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, be quiet, be quiet because the, the, the Empire will hear you or something. And the kids are like, mom. And the mother's like, She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what that is. And the kids are like, Ma, that's not. They're like, they're gonna find out. And like, it's this role play, kind of like, right, like Ren yeah, Fair yeah. kind of thing. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. And at the one in Florida, when you check in, you're like assigned a character and like a plot line and stuff like that. 
Get the fuck out of here. It, for Star Wars? Yeah, at the Star Wars Hotel. It's like a whole thing that they've been promoting. Well, dude, I definitely don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> like, if I'm fucking paying you, you do the fucking work. I'm not... What am I? I, I you entertain me. I don't... I'm not doing shit. You bring it to me. You bring it all to me. Serve it up to me. I don't have to... I don't, I'm not going to fucking do anything. Yep. I guess I guess people are into it. I it sounds cool to me. I think my kids would be way into it. So, make a lightsaber. You can make your own lightsaber. That's yep. a big thing. Yep, that's a big thing. Um, I mean, there's a lot of the. I mean, all of the sort of immersive VR stuff that they're doing now, and a lot of the 3D rides and stuff like that are really cool. So I don't know. Go check it out. It's one of those things like when you. Or at Universal or whatever, and you walk, you turn the corner, and you it looks like you're in the downtown of the Harry Potter movies, you know. And there's like it's this totally immersive experience. So at the one in Florida, like they have a life size replica of the Millennium Falcon, you know. Yeah. It's like you enter the park and you're standing there's like the Millennium Falcon, and like you're in a docking bay or something, you know. It's like holy shit. Yeah, that's badass. That's badass. I mean, that's like a nerd's wet dream, you know, for people who are Star Wars geeks. It must be you people know. just fucking falling down like they just saw the fucking Beatles or some shit. Right. Right? Exactly. Just fainting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's transition here for a minute. It wouldn't be uh, an episode of Good Looking Out if we didn't sort of turn the page and step over into the corner for a second and do Good Cooking Out. Oh, yeah. Let's do it, man. So, I gotta tell you, Santos, I got a new rig in the backyard. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I, got rid of, I got rid of the gas grill. I am, I've had it with gas, 100% done with gas. And I've got a new um, pellet cooker, uh, a Yoder made from in, in Yoder, Kansas. It's, it's called a Yoder pellet grill. It's okay. a Yoder YS640. So this is a, a bad, bad mama. Yeah. This thing is... It's, it's, the, it's not... It, this obviously has huge list of, of pros above the Traeger, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's built out of way, <laughs> way heavier steel. Um, the way the smoke flows gets you, like, closer to an actual offset smoker without, like, the hassle of a stick burner and stuff like that. So, you know, right. I still got, I've got the pit barrel sitting right next to it, but I will admit I have not taken the cover off the pit barrel once since I got this thing, so. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this thing huh. is a is a bad mama because it's great because um, it. It heats up really fast, like way faster than a, a traditional pellet grill, just because it's insulated so well. But also, it just has like a faster igniter, so it has a, like a you can get a ceramic igniter for it, which makes makes it heat up even faster. So you're like up to three fifty four hundred, and not much more time if if not about the same time as you are in a gas grill. So really? I I cook like salmon and brats and shit like that on it during the week and then i s smoke on it and i'm finally back to a setup that you and i had talked about like the pit barrel is amazing but like the one thing it's not great at is ribs so i'm finally back to a setup where i can do really really amazing ribs like blow away good ribs so is that right I i'm happy about that i think this thing God is an all around just like amazing it's easy to maintain and easy to clean it's got the full like dialed in temperature control it's super versatile uh, i love it so this weekend i'm gonna do i'm going to kind of like a uh, I've got a friend who's having a party sort of outside of town his wife and kids are out of town it's just like a total full-on like dudes day dude weekend so i'm doing uh, I'm going to do jerk and barbecue smoked chicken wings, and, uh, and then I'm going to do smoked sausage on this thing as well. Oh. Go to Lowry Hill Meats, get some really amazing, like, uh, f you know, house-made fresh sausage and do some smoked sausage and chicken wings. So, Right on. Oh, fucking, that sounds killer. I did, um, I made for the first time, I mean, you know my fucking problems with the pit barrel. Yes. Well, well documented. Um, but um, I had a party oh, three weeks ago, a month ago, um, and it was going to be, it was in, 
it was basically it was a party that was going to be about 30 or 40 people and it turned into like 80 people. Holy shit. So I kind of got f- fucking hosed on like, you know, I, I did six racks of ribs, which would have been like I wasn't trying to pound everybody. And then I did a bunch of like tri-tips and nice. chickens and um, nice. Yeah, Damn, dude. But I did, so I, what I did is, for the first, I fucking nailed everything. I was uh, a goddamn superhero. I was amazing. <laughs> I was fucking amazing. And I isn't, did... Isn't that such an awesome feeling? When, like, uh, everything turns out, like, A++? It was so fucking good. Everything was really good. Um, And the ribs, so I did six racks of ribs, and I paid close attention... And I and I was I'm like I'm getting the fucking pit barrel this time I'm gonna fucking nail this thing. Watched a hundred more videos, read a hundred fucking articles about the ribs and the pit barrel. Put together my protocol, paid close attention to it, locked it down. Six racks of ribs. They came out. They were f- they were perfect. Nice. So good. So good. Um. And I was like, I can't believe it. I finally got it. I'm set for ribs on the pit barrel. This is my technique. Ne- so the very next weekend, there's fucking nobody coming over. No one coming right. over. So I'm figuring, all right, well, if I did six racks of ribs for, you know, what ended up being 80 people, then for my family of three, I'll need three racks of ribs. For sure. Um, so same exact technique. Didn't change a fucking thing. Counted the briquettes down to the, the same shit, the timer, everything. And it was horseshit. So the thing that's different is the airflow is different because you don't have as many. They're not yes. packed in there as tightly. I, I know. So, that's the fucking so, thing. So, so, so it you, is you different. You do so, six. Or you do three and then you pack in some um, hangers, like some flank steaks or something. Or I just buy the fucking whatever you're fucking talking right. about. The Traeger, or the, not the Traeger, the Yoder. The Yoder YS640. That thing, you could have... I So listen to this. I've done... I did two whole chickens spatchcocked. So, you know, you're basically looking at four chicken halves. And this thing has a lower rack and an upper rack, and you don't even put in the upper rack if you don't need it. I did two chickens, you know, cut it cut in half and then i did six flank steaks that was just on the bottom rack i didn't even insert the top rack seriously yeah so, so you could yeah oh yeah it's got some serious cooking area so flank you, steaks are big six uh yeah six like a, two costco three packs and God two damn. whole chickens and man everything turned out amazing Fucking hell. Nailed the chicken and the steaks. Like, really? Yeah. So, can you get it? Because when I grill, like, um, I use the gas grill, you know, three times a week. Um, and I turn it on, let it warm up for 15 minutes, and it's at, you know, it's at 550, 600 degrees. Yep. And then I just leave it that hot, and I do chicken thighs on it, and they're done in four minutes. Or I do burgers, they're done in four minutes. Yep. Um, can that thing? It, that, I assume it can get that hot. Probably. Yeah, hot. I think. I think the range on it is one eighty to. Uh, it goes one eighty to seven hundred. Fuck. Yeah, Six fifty, seven hundred, and then I there's a, so there's a. Uh, sort of, there are the grates, of course, but then there's a uh, metal sort of partition that's like the. They call it like the flavorizer or whatever because the shit drips on there and then it steams and goes back up. So, mm. but that's what gets you your indirect heat for when you're smoking stuff. But they make it with a door that you you just pop open this door and if you want to put your steaks or whatever right there, then you get direct flame and direct heat from the bottom. Oh, I okay. I, I'll be honest with you, I never fucking pop that thing open, and I still get really good, because it's like a con- it, it basically operates like pellet grills operate, operate like a convection oven, it's like convection heat so stuff gets cooked all over really, you know, and you get that like, it's nice for the ladies because, you know, sometimes they don't love the, and this is why the pit barrel's good too, because you don't get that like super smoked flavor, but with the pellets it's like you're using true hardwood but because it's not like massive chunks of wood you get a, a sort of a subtler um, wood flavor that a lot of people 
prefer. So when you're cooking something like a chicken or a salmon or whatever, man, having like a true wood source, um, yeah. you know, is really nice. It, it matters. It smells fucking amazing when that thing is like heating up and you walk out in the back too and you smell that wood burning and you're like, oh yeah. And you can, you know, they make cherry and apple and all sorts of different pellets, hickory. So you can smoke with, like, different flavored. So I do, like, you know, the ribs with a cherry or an apple. Mop those things with fucking Arnold Palmer, which is my sort of secret secret sauce. Yep. And those ribs turn out fucking amazing, let me tell you. God damn, man. Yeah, there's nothing like cooking over fire. I mean, you know my pit I got back there. Right. I love cooking over the fire. Yeah. I do it any chance I can. It, but for me, it takes, like, I have to burn a fire for an hour and a half to get it, like, a good bed of coals, you know, because I'm using big, I'm using pieces of almond and pieces of oak, you know, I'm right. the whole fire yeah. takes me. That's sweet. Like, that's a whole day, you know. Yeah, I eventually want to get, like, that's the missing piece right now, I think, from my backyard setup, because I have... The sort of the pit barrel, which is like the vertical thing. It's sort of lo-fi. You know, you can put a lot of stuff in there. If I had to feed as many people as you're doing, I fired up the pit barrel and both racks on the Traeger. I could feed a fucking hundred people in my backyard. You know? Oh yeah. So I gotta gotta fucking get one of those things, man. Everybody loves them. Yes, man. So awesome. Um, And uh, yeah. I uh, I got this new new thing called a, a meter as well M E A T R. It's like a, wi- a wireless thermometers that, that they sit in this little block. There's four of them, uh, and the block communicates from the Bluetooth things in the grill, which are wireless, back to your phone in the house. And you know you you label each one. It knows like which one is the beef and which one is whatever. You just dial what that shit in, man. It's what do you, it's good. What do you, it's good living. That is fucking killer. That is good, man. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. I'm. I. It's finally nice out here. Um, it's been you know June gloom for a month and a half. So right. It's been fucking Seattle. You know. Yeah, the weather's been weird all around. It's been a weird spring and summer. Just but, broke. Yeah. Just broke, and now it's Southern California again. So. Um, so it's not, you know, it's nice to be out there. Um, I was out there. So I've been watching. I got this guy. I got fucking hooked on him on YouTube. Um, this guy, the show is called Ross Kitchen. Um, and it's this dude uh, from Toronto who travels down to Morant Bay in Jamaica. And he hangs with this dude um, in his yard. And guy just cooks Ital all kinds of different ital dishes and it's this killer cooking show and he got me so f- i was I, I just got hooked on it went down the fucking hall and had to make the um oh what the fuck do they call isla greens it's the, it's this like classic ital dish um with like all kinds of different veggies and callaloo is the greens which okay. are basically like mustard greens or kale or whatever, you know. Hmm. Um, but I bought all the shit. I did everything. I made my own coconut milk, like wow, like shape, like grated the coconut and fucking the Jesus. whole thing. I was out there. It took me fucking. It took me like eight hours to make this fucking thing. I had the pot, like a cast iron pot, sitting right on the coals. Like I had the perfect fire going. It took forever. It took forever. It tasted like shit, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it, it was. It cooked for so fucking long, and, and I and, and I was and I had to do it just like he did it on TV. So right. I did. I wasn't like like Ital is. You, you, it sounds amazing, but like they don't use salt, you know. And oh. there's like tons mm. of like root vegetables, and Ital right. is like for for like Rastafarians in the seventies that were living in a rainforest. Right and had yeah, like yeah. You know, and never left the fucking rainforest because they're growing weed and like you know and they get locked up so right like, it's not it's it's not I I don't know I I got very romantic about it and then I made it and I was like oh for fuck's it's sake just like man. bland mush 
It, it was kind of bland mush. Yeah, there was nothing. Like, the only thing good is a habanero in there, you know. That's right. the only thing that, like, fucking pepper pot. It's a, the other name for his pepper pot soup. Um, mm. Pepper pot stew. Um, but it was fun to do. I sat out there and drank Red Stripes. Um, nice. Yeah. And what's the show called again? Ross Kitchen. It's so fucking good. Roths? Ross. R- R-A-S. Ross. R-A-S. Ross Kitchen. Ross Kitchen. Like Rastafarian Kitchen. It's so good, man. It's so good. Interesting. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. He makes all kinds of shit. And it just, yeah, it's killer. Um, I got hooked on it. I've been on, I've been like, that's been, I've been watching a shitload of YouTube instead of shows. Like, a ton. Mark H., oh, God, he was here. Um, we were, we went down a fucking rabbit hole of YouTube cooking shows, and it was like, we found some good shit. He has some terrible ones. He has one of the worst things I've ever fucking seen. It made me so angry when he fucking showed it. He's like, <laughs> he, he, he's like you're going to love this cooking show on YouTube. It's this, it's this, guy, it's this show called Townsend's. Okay. Um, Towns ends, um, and it's this dude who's like a, um, he's like a, um, uh, like a recreation kind of like, you know, like a reenactor type of dude. Okay. But he only does so he, it's like early Americana cooking. Oh, Jesus. And this asshole's got like you know these fucking felt hats that he made himself and his fucking stupid vest. And he's out there, like, you know, with these pewter pots and, like, melting down butter and making bread and shit. And he, I, I watch it for, like, 20 seconds, and I was like, I'm like, I don't know whether to punch you or the TV first. It was so infuriating. And, but then I, I kept watching it. It just made me more angry all the time. So that one, I can tell you, don't fucking watch that one. But um, there's another one called Country Foods, which is the the, like, most like innocuous name ever country foods and it's this this woman is 105 years old and and this dude and she cooks over an open fire in uh, on the side of a highway in india somewhere i don't fucking know where and this dude shoots her and she's out there making all kinds of fucking crazy it's in southern India somewhere, like right. southern Indian dishes that are insane. And she's like crushing all the fucking spices by hand, right? And like you know, and like killing the chickens and this fucking flies all over everything. And she's she's so ancient. It sounds like. Did you ever watch that? Um, there's a show on Netflix called Street Food, and they profile this woman in China who wears these like crazy goggles and gloves and she actually has a michelin star for cooking street food have you seen this i know the show but i haven't seen that episode oh my god it is incredible so you gotta watch the episode oh i'll find that it's either china or thailand but this woman just she just made the news again because she got re-upped for her michelin star got like approved again so this, this woman is like you know many people in um, you know, God, I wish I remembered uh, so bad that I can't remember which Asian culture it was. Um, I think it's, I'm pretty sure she's in Bangkok actually. So, um, you know, she's like, you know, revered and sought after in Bangkok and she's like 76 or something like that. And same thing. She's like cooking everything by hand, sourcing all this stuff. You know, she's been doing it for like, 20 years and has developed this like no massive shit. cult following and is now getting the proper recognition for like how amazing she's like many people consider the the version of the Thai dishes that she makes like the definitive versions really absolutely no shit all right well i gotta see that what's other fucking goggles why she that she is it just her thing I think it's because she's cooking with really, really hot fire. So she wears these big, like, rubber gloves and goggles, I think, just to protect herself, probably because she's gotten burnt so many times from, like, flying coals or whatever. whatever. But yeah, she's just cooking. She's cooking a mile a minute on, like, incredibly, incredibly hot, like, charcoal open fire. Fucking. um, With, like, you know, a couple different metal, like, heavy metal woks. So, um, Fucking real deal shit, you know? Oh, so good. 
And uh, let me tell you, this place is not getting the Michelin stars for the ambiance. Uh, right, yeah. You know, it's like the food is so killer and so over the top that, like, they can't help but give this woman a Michelin star. So That's amazing. So, yeah. Right on. Um, speaking of the YouTube thing, I was listening to this really fascinating episode of the podcast Reply All today where they were talking about... Um, this guy who's had a YouTube show for Vox where he was doing political commentary and he's, uh, this guy's gay and he's not white. And this alt-right commentator who's basically like a Trump fanboy, um, basically started making every time he would post a video and it wasn't like, you know, searing political commentary is more like, here's what's going, like, bite-sized, this is what the Trump administration is doing now, and it was less like, I, at least I get the impression from the clips that they played, like, more informative, like, he's definitely, like, coming at it from a liberal point of view, but not in a way that's, like, necessarily totally tearing it down, but this guy started creating all these clips, mocking his uh, sexuality, and um, with like other men on the show these just like four alt-right like straight dudes like laughing at this dude and mocking his sexuality and making fun of the way he talks just like all of the worst sort of homophobia and sort of bigotry and racism and it so what the podcast is about is about his fight with youtube to try to get this guy banned because what he did is he finally got so sick of reporting it in youtube doing nothing that he made a like a super clip of all of the homophobic slurs and all the like things that this guy had said and posted it on, mm. uh, someone just told me today he posted it on pride day. I don't know if that's true or not. And like, you know, tweeted it at YouTube and there was, I think it got retweeted like 25,000 times or something like that. Like massive yeah. reach. And in this story on Reply All, they sort of go through the history of YouTube and how they've changed the YouTube algorithm over the years. So, first of all, it was like, you'd go to YouTube, you'd watch something for 30 seconds or a minute. It was like a funny, like, Charlie bit my finger viral video. Mm-hmm. you get out. So then they changed it so that the autoplay thing and what they would do is they would recommend the most popular videos on YouTube. People called it like the Gangnam style problem. Like, because the joke was if you let your YouTube play long enough, you always get to Gangnam style. Cause it's yep. like the most popular video ever. So YouTube kind of like heard people making fun of that and mocking that. So what they started doing is recommending more obscure and more niche videos. So this is where you get to your crazy cooking shows thing. That's how you go down the rabbit hole of more and more obscure shit. So what happens is people that are radicalized, flat earthers, people that just have bizarre shit and make bizarre videos are now getting attention and their content is getting promoted through the recommended channels because of the YouTube algorithm. Because they want people to get keep, just keep getting drawn in by more and more stuff that they either haven't seen or is obscure or you know, whatever. So all is in the quest, all in the quest to like, it started off they wanted to have a billion hours of YouTube watched a day, and they've long since surpassed that. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Holy fuck! That's so, that's crazy. It's an they, interesting I never, story. I never cause... thought of that number. But it, is it, did they talk at all about how they have been trying to target um, fake science, like like flat earthers or people that um, because uh, you know, at, I've been looking a lot into the Sandy Hook stuff lately. Oh and, right, and um, and that stuff has been. Like, they're taking a look at that, you know, like anti-vax, um, those types of things. Like, those are no longer being promoted. And, in fact, I think they may be um, potentially they, – they may have um, started to create some, like, bylaws or whatever against that shit and not allow it. Did, did they talk at all about that? I hope so. So in this story, like sort of the ultimate conclusion is YouTube took a look at all these videos. And basically what they said is, you know, 
when you step back from the supercut and you look at this guy's videos, there are hour-long videos where maybe 45 seconds of it or a minute and a, a minute of like 60 minutes is him saying these uh, like yes, deeply offensive things. But when you look at it in the context of the 60-minute video, it's a very small part of the video. Mm-hmm. And this Vox writer's point of view, which I I think is his dis- dismantling of that argument is brilliant in this story, was basically like homophobia and hate speech is always surrounded by a normal context. Oh, yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of my way. You're in my way, faggot. You know, it's like they're always using some sort of normal context to say, listen to what this faggot's saying about Donald Trump, you know, or whatever. You know, it's basically what he's saying. It's like starting off the entire argument that way is the context. Like, you've, you've, you're, it's so incredibly offensive and hurtful and it's just spreading hate in this way that YouTube really should needs to take a hard line stance on for sure. Yeah. I mean, and hopefully they are, I, but they, I mean, they aren't to, it's a, it's a struggle for sure. You know? And when you look at a guy, you know, whose son was killed in a, you know, in a school shooting and, and people have made it their job to say that to that, harass this guy that, that yeah. to, to the point where he's had to move nine times. And, I know that know, shit is I mean, insane and totally reprehensible. And the fact that when they confront, um, what's his ass from Infowars about it, he Alex denies Jones. Alex Jones, Alex Jones flatly denies, um, this American life had an amazing, uh, two part episode on how Alex Jones happened. Like it's all so of good. the context that, was it's so you know, good this american life has been fairly uneven i think in recent history but it those ha- yes, episodes are amazing they're unbelievable yeah they're unbelievable um you, he so, just so, won lenny ponzer just he actually just won uh, a couple weeks ago he won a defamation suit against somebody who wrote an entire fucking book about how sandy hook was a hoax like and he sued them and won um which is you know a step in the right direction and he's you know he has an entire foundation called the honor society which um which is you know which is dedicated to people who are being bullied online by people that are you know delegitimizing horrible things that have happened in their lives yeah. for real you know the thing that's so insidious about that is anytime someone makes progress like that, the narrative that these alt-right and super radical people immediately go to is, see, this is big government censorship. They don't want the truth out there. They're censoring us. It's the liberal media. It's big government. It's all these people. It's censorship, censorship. They don't want us to have power. They're trying to, like, quash the rebellion, you know, blah, 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 all that shit. Yeah, well, so. face- Facebook, they, they canned Alex Jones you know two months ago or so and that was like you know that was controversial because it's like well are you handing him power or are you you know taking it away from him ultimately i i believe you're taking it away from him because it 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 had a dent you know it did it had a dent in it made a pretty big dent in his company because his company he makes money by selling fucking prepper shit on the back end of his site Right. <laughs> That's where his revenue is, you know. For sure. Um, so ultimately less traffic is less traffic. So Yeah, so if you're if the way you make money is by making people afraid and then selling them gear, like of That's, course yep. you're just a plague on society, creating all this <laughs> false fear. And it's yep. funny because it's so funny that all these people that do this stuff point at other people and say, You're doing exactly this thing that I'm doing. Yeah, it's nuts, right? Anyway, so not just to finish off on the YouTube thought, and then I think we should probably wrap up, but I have been sort of struggling personally with my own personal habits around YouTube because I find like I've been reading less and just getting sucked into fucking YouTube on my phone and stuff at night. And I'm just at the end of it, I was like, what did I just watch? Like, was Mm. any of that actually worthwhile? So I I think I'm going to, I'm not feeling great about i mean certainly i get lots of value and there is actually it's not like everything on youtube is terrible but the way the algorithm is set up it's too easy to get sucked into stuff that you should shouldn't or you know wouldn't otherwise watch so i think i'm going to try to be much more intentional about my own habits and start reading more or intentionally watching other things watching the criterion 
uh, channel, um, mm-hmm. the streaming Criterion channel content, and just like being much more purposeful about how I'm using YouTube for content and not get sucked in so much. Because I, I feel like I've wasted a lot of hours now over the last oh, really? few months just on stuff that really isn't that awesome. I go, I'm, I stay just right in my subscriptions and I go to those, I look at them, see if there's anything I like and um, and it's usually, you know, I'll watch 20 minutes of baseball bloopers and then I'm, <laughs> and I'm out, you know. That's that's 90% of my YouTube viewing is baseball bloopers. Right. And so much of the content with kids too, like I'm trying to think of the girls, like all the like fail videos and all that stuff that's just kind of like making, f- it's like content and entertainment that's based on other people's humiliation. I'm just like, I don't want that shit for Mm-mm. my kids. Yeah, no. Thankfully, Jack just um he knows how to dial in youtube and the only thing he knows how to find is vintage mickey mouse and vintage popeye cartoons nice so yeah there's i mean it's it's good until you watch like three or four of them you're like oh shit that's super fucking racist (laughs) like way way fucking racist yeah some of the looney tune older looney tune stuff especially is like (laughs) gets goes there in like a really weird way so all right well ma'am i think that's a good good episode back it's Um, good to be yeah it's good to be back it was nice to it's good to talk to you good to to hammer some stuff out feels good for sure feels just like old times so um, yeah thanks as always to kaya fisher for the audio engineering assistance and thanks to those of you who didn't unsubscribe or pop this podcast into the trash and uh if you have other friends who used to listen who thought we were uh dead and gone please tell them that we are back from the dead and we're committed to putting out episodes regularly and uh we will see you for another episode very soon in the next uh three to four weeks all right thanks everybody thanks everyone bye